Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Mancini playing behind the runner at first. He goes, and the pitch is lifted to right by Cassianos. Long run for Tucker, over toward the line, and foul territory. Makes the catch, and the Houston Astros do it again. 2022 World Series champion for the second time in six years. The Astros are baseball's best. Down the 1-1. A swing and a long drive into deep left. This ball gone. Grand slam number two for Jose Ramirez this season. It's a six-run explosion. Cleveland has a 7-0 lead on Dallas Keuchel. Third down two. It's Jackson. Oh, my gosh, here he goes. He'll sprint. He's being chased by Howard. Looking behind. You can kiss him goodbye. Touchdown. He is electrifying. It's Judon and McCourty. Mr. Steady on the back end for the Patriots. Here's Murray. He takes off and stumbles. Brought down at the 44 as he picks up three. And after going down awkwardly, he can't get up. That's why he's gone to the zone. Zones have an advantage up top to Aiton. Time to eat. And there you go. There's no way they can guard the Suns with three potential seven-footers out there on the floor. A lot of fake pressure coming. Purdy, deck, floating in the air. It is. Is it picked? No. Hit the ground. Purdy was warming up, Greg, and then it looks like he's saying here that he can't he can't throw. He can't do it. Aaron told us about the wrist injury on that sack by Reddick. Oh, my goodness. What a turn of events. They're going to go with Trey Lance on this play as he kept it and absorbed quite the hit. Cody Barton and Brian Monet both teamed up to put it on Trey Lance. And Lance is down right now. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Tuesday, March 28th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7, the American League, who goes to the World Series if it's not Houston? The Ravens, should they trade the officially unhappy Lamar Jackson? The Cardinals, over or under five and a half wins in 2023. The Suns, what stood out during DeAndre Ayton's return? The 49ers, Brock Purdy or Trey Lance? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, we'll have an official 2023 American League preview. Ben Clemens will join us from Fangraphs. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That will include some Suns and Jazz analysis from Monday night. 
Then the final segment of the Sports Zone today, it'll be the National Roundup. That'll include Rip from the Headlines and the Latest Line for the Final Four, among other things. Also in this hour, we have Diamondbacks tickets for opening day, April the 6th against the Dodgers, so stay tuned for that. Not right now, but stay tuned, and we'll get to that at some strategical point in this hour. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, if the Astros don't return to the World Series, which American League team will? Cleveland, New York, Seattle, or Toronto? And Corey is here and has the early returns. New York fans in furious, right? Not furious. Why can't talk today? Oh, huge fans, 100% of the vote for New York. 100%? There's four teams there. Okay, let's see if that changes in the next within the next hour here. Meanwhile, how do I arrive to those teams, you ask? Well, because those are the four teams that I believe actually have the best chance, ironically, in the same order that they're alphabetically listed there. That's just kind of a coincidence. Also, in addition to the poll question, anything to do with the 2023 MLB season is strongly encouraged suggest- I strongly encourage discussion today. And also, for that matter, really the next seven or eight months until the season actually ends. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, should the Ravens trade the unofficial? Now, the officially, he's officially unhappy now, right? Because Lamar Jackson has asked for a trade. So should they trade the officially unhappy Lamar Jackson? And, Corey, what do we have here? Leading is yes, 88.9% of the vote. No at 11.1% of the vote on KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter. Jackson revealed via Twitter on Monday that he requested the Ravens trade him on March the 2nd, something the so-called NFL insiders apparently did not know. In addition to the Twitter question, what teams uh, would be a good fit to make a deal for one Lamar Jackson? If there are teams, I think there's one that uh, even I would even buy into it, and I'm not exactly a big Lamar Jackson fan at this point, as I've talked about continually. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Cardinals are not expected to be good in 2023. For example, at least one sports book has posted season win totals in recent days. The Cardinal number is sitting at five and a half. Remember, it's a 17-game schedule these days. 18 weeks, 17 games. The 2023 Cardinals over or under five and a half wins in 2023. Obviously factoring in the Kyler Murray situation to some extent. Assuming that's a negative that he's not playing. Meanwhile, the Suns got one player back last night. DeAndre Ayton returned and finished with uh, 14 points and 10, excuse me, 8 rebounds in the Suns' victory at Utah. What stood out during the Suns' 117-103 win at Utah a night ago? Meanwhile, Spain, the Globe, and actually Spain, the Globe, kind of with a local angle here. Valley product, Brock, uh, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. He is the leader in the clubhouse to head into training camp to be the 49ers uh, quarterback. That, according to Niners general manager John Lynch, quote, leader in the clubhouse, Lynch said yesterday. So, Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, or if they're both healthy, who should get the first shot as the Niners starting quarterback? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? 
That is the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060. Or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by day one of our two-day MLB preview. Today, we'll talk mostly American League. Ben Clemens scheduled to join us from Fangraphs. Tomorrow, we will uh, talk a lot of the National League with uh, Matt Schneider from CBSSports.com. But next segment, it'll be the American League. And uh, we'll go through several teams, not every team, but uh, you know, so, so, quote, contending teams. Uh, quote unquote, uh, at least what we think are the contending teams. At least what I think they're contending teams at this point. At the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time, general discussion, 602 260 1060. You are listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. Extra Point with local and national topics, betting lines, and banter. Weekdays 10 to noon on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and the KTUS 1060 app. And welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and HD 2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. And the 2023 MLB season begins on Thursday. The Diamondbacks, after beginning with four games at Dodger Stadium and two games at San Diego, begin their home schedule April the 6th against the Padres, against the Dodgers, excuse me, once again the Dodgers. So right now we have a pair of tickets for that uh, Diamondbacks home opener against the Dodgers. Caller number 2, 602-260-1060. Right now, caller number 2. 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060, you're today's winner. And once again, 602-260-1060, you're the winner of a pair of Diamondbacks and Dodgers tickets for April the 6th, the opener. Don't forget, it's a busy weekend for the Diamondbacks, the opening day street festival on Thursday next week, then the post-game fireworks show on Friday, April the 7th. Check out the Diamondbacks tickets. Go to diamondbacks.com slash tickets. All right, for a preview of the 2023 MLB season, mostly an American League theme here today. Out to the hotline we go, the KDUS hotline. We're now joined the sports zone by uh, Ben Clemens of Fangraphs. And Ben, good to have you. And let's start with the Astros. How do you compare their roster from the end of the 2022 World Series championship season to right now? You know, it's, I'd say it's pretty similar, Bob. Um, uh, obviously, they're missing Justin Verlander, and that hurts. So it's not as good as it was last year. But one of their strengths was that they just had a ton of pitching depth. And won't surprise you this year, they have a ton of pitching depth. Hunter Brown looks a lot like a Justin Verlander starter kit, and he's probably their sixth starter. They're hoping that he ends the year as 
probably their second starter behind Framber Valdez, who, you know, is really great and looks pretty consistent at this point. But the Astros are just steady and consistent. And they gave, they lost Julie Gurriel, and they got better at first base by adding Jose Abreu. So any losses that they've suffered on the pitching side, which I think are, are small. Verlander was great, but the Astros just have such a high replacement level below him that they're still going to have awesome starting pitching one through five. Uh, I just think they're going to be as good as ever, and the boogeyman as always. Yeah, how about the Altuve injury? He's going to miss apparently a couple of months. Uh, how's that alter your take on them? Uh, at least, uh, you know, certainly uh, to win the West or, you know, you know however they, they might end up in the regular season. Yeah, I think it, it lowers their chances of being the number one overall seed. But I thought they were pretty clear of the competition in the West. And you'd rather have them hurt at the beginning of the season than the end, given that. I think if it, if it were a little bit of a closer division race, the Mariners had done a little more this offseason. It would, it would worry me more for their chance of winning the West. But we had them, you know, quite a bit clear of the rest of the West coming into the year. And, yeah, it hurts to lose the sales for a few months. That's going to cost them some games. But they're in a good situation to weather a not-season-ending injury like that. Okay, so our poll question today is if the Astros don't return to the World Series, which American League team will and uh, you know the teams I you know I've got a Twitter restrictions here, so I narrowed it down to four. I have Cleveland, New York, Seattle, or Toronto. So Cleveland, New York, Seattle, Toronto. How would you answer that question? I think I'd pick the Jays out of that group, and I, I don't think you can really like they're all pretty close. But my thinking there is, you want to pick a team with a with, with a big range of outcomes. You don't want to pick a team that's just going to be like probably solid. The Astros are probably solid, and they're probably better than the team you're picking. So I think you want a team that could be really good if everything stacks up right. And to me, the Jays just have the most players where, I don't know, like it could be awesome, but it could be bad. And so if you're picking somebody to win the AL, it probably means that things worked out pretty well for them. And I think the Jays are kind of in the best situation to capitalize on good luck. Okay, I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot about Toronto here lately from uh, you know, you know, one of our smartest callers and you know, a couple of friends and so forth. I still need to be convinced a little bit. So, you know, give me the best case scenario, and maybe if a couple of things go wrong, what would they most likely be if they do go wrong? Sure. Okay. So let's start with the pitching rotation because if it works out, it can be really good. So, you know, Alex Manoa is at the top of the rotation. Alex Manoa was awesome last year. He's pitched basically a complete season, you know, 200 innings, bunch of starts, had an ERA in the threes. Kevin Gaussman could have won the Cy Young if he had just like, not given up so many home runs. Uh, I, I was wrong, <laughs> by the way. Um, 224 ERA probably has been I was way underselling him. Um, so that was a really strong one-two. Chris Bassett was very good on the Mets. He was, like, if he's your number three starter, that looks great. And I think he's going to do just the same this year. And so, Jose Barrios is kind of the question mark. And when Jose, Jose Barrios is great, he's a borderline ace. When he's bad, he's really bad. And if he is back to his, like, 2020, 2021 form, 2019 even, you know, when he was really good on the Twins and when he looked like he might have righted the ship when he came to the Blue Jays, they have a top four that is a one of the best five top fours in baseball. That matters a lot for the playoffs. So, things need to go right. Like, Manoa needs to repeat his season. Barrios needs to figure it out. But he's done it before, so he could do it again. So there's your um, there's your really bullish case on the pitching staff. 
Um, <laughs> what could go wrong there is basically that Rios is bad now, and that would really hurt them. Uh, I think there's a lot of variance around that. Hitting-wise, I mean, they just have a bunch of great hitters. The thing that could go great for them is that, you know, Guerrero and Bichette and Springer and Kirk all hit really well. Marsho roughly repeats his season from last year. And, yeah, that's probably enough to have a, a top two or three offense in, in the AL. They, they have a lot of good bats. So I, I think their pitching is a real, like, lever point here. And if their pitching is bad, it, it's a bad pick. <laughs> but I, I just like the idea of betting on their pitching being good because it's really high variance. Okay, let's stick in the division here. Let's talk about the Yankees. They've got rotation injuries to start the season. They have a rookie shortstop, which could be good. Uh, you know, the last time they did a rookie shortstop, I recall, worked out pretty well in the mid nineties and, uh, dudes in the hall of fame now. So that worked out, I think fairly well, but, uh, you know, the Yankees, what are your, what's your take on them heading into the season? As I mentioned, uh, they've got a lot of questions for a team that won as many games as they did a year ago. Yeah. Um, they, they really need Anthony Volpe to be good, basically. Uh, you know, we, we have just been breaking down each positional group for teams at our website, and this will probably surprise you. It surprised me. The Yankees project for the most wins by starting pitchers, like the most uh, wins by replacement mm. by starting pitchers. That surprised me because, like, like you said, everybody's hurt. But they just have both a lot of aces, and the guys that they're bringing up to replace them are pretty good. Like, like they just they're really good at developing pitching. So when they're forced to go to their sixth and seventh starters doesn't hurt like when most teams are forced to go to their six and seven starters. So I think their pitching will end up being pretty good. They just they spend a lot of resources on it. They have a lot of stars. They have so many stars, even if one of them misses, they have another guy going. I'm I'm much more concerned about what they do with their offense. It feels like they have like all kinds of mismatched pieces all over the place. And like if Aaron Judge doesn't have another best offensive season since Barry Bonds, it's easy to see the offense being a little lackluster. Uh, if Volpe works out, that that takes a lot of my concerns away. And I, it's so hard to tell with guys like these. You know, he could be Julio Rodriguez, he could be Jared Kelnick, and you just don't really know until they play in the majors which season it's going to be. That's a like you said. There's, there's a lot of uncertainty for a team that won so many games last year, and it's rough to put it on a rookie shortstop like that, but. I, I just don't like the way that their team sets up if they can't stabilize shortstop because that was a weakness for them last year and setting up to be one again. Ben Clemens of Fangraphs currently in the sports zone. Okay, I felt badly that I'd leave Tampa Bay out, but that was the Twitter limitations I had with the poll question. So what do you think about Tampa? Yeah, as normal, I have a really hard time figuring them out, and that means they'll probably be great. You know, they're, they're the team that I've looked at the most times and said, Really? This this is gonna work? These guys are good enough hitters and pitchers and like yes. The the answer just seems to be yes every year. They're they're doubling down on you know, the tampaness of it all. They've got I don't know, eight options for starting, none of whom are like the last five of whom don't make a lot of sense to me, but seem to just succeed in the major leagues anyway. They're running a ton of platoons all over the field, including a lot of guys who like, you wouldn't think we're that good. Harold Ramirez got traded away from the Cubs, even though he's got plenty of service times left because they just couldn't use him. The Astros needed a center fielder, and they still traded away Jose Siri. You know, Isak Paredes came over from the Tigers. 
for not much at all, really, in, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Austin Meadows, who the Rays weren't going to pay. And they're all good. I I don't know. Like, do you want to bet on them just turning another magic trick? I think probably. <laughs> they're always good, and I can't figure out how. You know, speaking of that, Cleveland, a little kind of a different thing. Their player development, I think, has just been, you know, probably the best in baseball over the years, especially pitchers. How do you yeah. factor the Cleveland player development into the numbers and predictions? So, I think you can't go wrong by looking at Cleveland and saying, ah, we're probably going to underestimate the kind of middle infieldy guys who could hit a little bit that they bring up. Like, we're probably too low on them because, like you said, they develop better in their system. And similarly, like, we're we're almost always too low on our fifth starters because they're very good at making those guys into, like, third starter caliber players. They're not always going to hit on Shane Bieber, obviously, but like you said, their pitching development is impressive, and they get a lot out of guys who we look, you know, who in the prospect ranking, not us, like every prospect ranker looks at and says, yeah, they could be okay. They're better than that. I think one thing that is helpful for figuring out what Cleveland's going to do is like they think about baseball in the same way I do. The Rays are, I don't know, they're they're slotting guys into positions I can't quite figure out. Cleveland tries to find a second baseman, and he plays second base every day. They try to find a shortstop, and he plays shortstop every day. And but I like Josh Bell as a kind of risk-reward signing for them. I I think that they've, it's probably more than I would have given him if I worked the Guardians GM, but they need to take some risks. They're, they don't really have the offense to hold up in long sets of postseason series. I mean, it's, it's small sample size, anything can happen, but I like them taking a few risks. I think Andres Jimenez is going to be amazing again this year. I think he's, he's an MVP candidate who no one is really talking about because I mean, he has a lot of power. You don't think it because he's a little guy. And also, you know, he's in the shadow of Jose Ramirez, but I think he's amazing. And then more people will notice that if he repeats it again this year. So they're, I've got them kind of third on that list of four that you had, just because, I don't know, like, they don't seem like they're going to get a lot of powerful in-season replacements, and any injuries could really hurt them. They were very healthy last year, and still, you know, still won like 90 games. So I think there's a lot of risk there, but like you said, with the constraints they're dealing with, that front office just developed talent incredibly well. Talking with Ben Clemens of Fangraphs. Okay, the Mariners, uh, you know, they ended their playoff drought last season. Was that a one-year thing? I've got them as the last team in right now, the, the third wild card. And I think, I think that a lot of the things that went right for them in 2022 looked like they to go right again like Julio Rodriguez being good that was their big break really last year and he's good <laughs> the cat's out of the bag on that one uh, that, that doesn't seem like it's likely to change anytime soon and I like the fact that they have a, a pretty young pitching staff but who've already had enough success in the majors and look projectable enough that I'd feel comfortable saying yeah these guys will work out you know both uh, uh, sorry the cough here for a second. Uh, both Kirby and Castillo are going to be pretty good. Um, I like Logan Gilbert has already proven into the majors too. I'm, Robbie Ray, I don't know. It was not a great season last year, but he's mixing up his pitches a little bit in spring training and it looked good, a little more velocity. I think that 
they don't have much chance of catching the Astros, which makes me not like their chances of winning the AL as much, just because, you know, it's, it's really hard to win that three-game series and then a five-game series and then a seven-game series. So you really mm-hmm. want one of those top seeds. That's the only reason I'm down on them uh, repeating. And I do think they'll repeat it. That's why I'm down on them winning the AL, is just because the other, like the teams that I like could win the AL East or could win the AL Central and maybe get a bye. So I like the Mariners, but I, I, AOS is tough. Okay, speaking of that, I, I think I'm contractually asked, uh, contractually obligated to ask about the Angels. So Trout and Rendon, do do we just assume that they're going to miss some playing time at this stage of their careers? Yeah, yeah, I think that that is what you should do. Is just say, look, I mean, Rendon more than Trout, right? Like if Trout plays 130 games, he might have an MVP caliber season anyway. Rendon, I, I don't know. If you get 100 games out of him and you're the Angels, you got to be pleased, right? He's barely played in the last two years. The last three years, really. Um, I think that I think that with Trout, it's a, yeah, the volume might not be there, but the rate is going to be so crazy good that it'll be okay. And he looks, this, this is extremely paying too much attention to a few at-bats, but he looked very good and very locked in in the World Baseball Classic. And mm-hmm. he didn't look like he was slowing down of age even a little bit. Rendon, I mean, is he good? I think he's good, but is he good? Like, he hasn't played in forever. I just don't know. All right, that's so... Kind of right, go there. ahead. Okay, my bad. That's all for me there, Rendon. I just don't know. Okay. So lastly, are there a couple of teams here that I haven't asked about specifically that uh, you have some uh, observations that you want to make sure you uh, let publicly known before the season starts? Yeah, I've got a, I've got one in particular for you that I've been thinking about for this one. I think that the, the team with the most boom-bust potential, and probably a lot of people think this, is the Rangers. I think the Rangers are actually mm-hmm. more likely than the Mariners to win the AL West over the Astros. And the reason for that is, doesn't have anything to do with the Astros. The Astros are really good, and they're really good every year. They're kind of a monolith. If the Rangers have all of their acquisitions work out and they happen to pitch a full season, which isn't that likely, uh, they're going to be amazing. <laughs> that pitching staff, when everyone is healthy, is scary good. Now, like, everyone being healthy is just unreasonable. One of those pitches is Jacob DeGrom. He, he's missed a lot of time, and he throws 102 miles an hour and breaks his body every time. So... I'd be very worried about them pitching a full season. But, wow. Like, if they're, like, when their whole rotation is going, they're really good. And, look, stranger things have happened than a team making it 162 games with the same five or six starters going. And if that happens, I think you'll look at preseason odds and say, like, the Rangers weren't supposed to be this good. But that's really just because we're all thinking they're going to get hurt. If they don't get hurt, they could be great. All right, Ben, appreciate it as always. Thanks. I'm sure we'll be checking back during the season. I look forward to it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Bob. My pleasure. Ben Clemens from Fangraphs. Check out all the work at Fangraphs and uh, projected win totals and so forth. And uh, excellent stuff from Ben as always. Tomorrow, by the way, we'll preview the National League in this segment uh, with uh, Mr. Rogers from CBSSports.com. All right, next segment, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060. It's general discussion. Also, we'll get to some local roundup, at least some suns and jazz from last night. And depending on the phone call situation, we'll 
figure out what to do from there. We might have a little more than just that from the Suns from last night, but up to you on that. 602-260-1060. Poll questions today. If the Astros don't return to the World Series, which American League team would you, I assume, would be there? Which one do you think they will be there? I gave you Cleveland, New York, Seattle, Toronto. Apologies to Tampa Bay, but uh, Twitter kind of restricts what you can ask here. And uh, actually, that was the dot-com poll question. The Twitter poll question, should the Ravens actually trade the uh, officially now uh, unhappy Lamar Jackson? It's general discussion, 602-260-1060 if you want to get in. we got time for in the next segment. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. Get to your phone calls. We have open phone lines if you want to jump aboard. we got room for you in this segment. 602-260-1060. Let's get to the local roundup. Let's quickly repeat the pipeline. As I mentioned, the poll questions, the KDUS uh, poll question at KDUS1060.com. If the Astros don't return to the World Series, which American League team will? Uh, Cleveland, uh, New York, Seattle, Toronto are the ones that we have listed here. Twitter poll question, should the uh, Ravens uh, trade the now officially unhappy Lamar Jackson? Obviously, uh, he tweeted out yesterday that uh, he actually requested a trade way back on March the 2nd. Meanwhile, a local front, a couple of things. Uh, a couple of sports books, uh, at least a couple of placed some season win totals for the 2023 NFL season. Cardinals over under five and a half wins in 2023. Also, what stood out to the uh, Suns 117-103 victory last night at Utah. And uh, also Spain, the globe slash kind of local angle here. Uh, Brock Purdy, a Valley product, of course. Uh, yesterday, John Lynch, the general manager of the 49ers at the uh, the uh, owners and uh, general NFL meetings here in the Valley, said that Purdy is the leader in the clubhouse heading into training camp. Obviously, he's coming off an injury and surgery, and Trey Lance is coming off an injury and surgery. So if Lance and Purdy are both healthy, who should get the first shot to be the Niners' starting quarterback in 2023? In addition to that, anything else that caught your eye since our last show? Certainly encourage discussion. All right, that's the pipeline for today, 602-260-1060 if you want to get in. Meanwhile, the Suns uh, turned it on when they had to last night. The Suns were favored by 5.5. They outscored Utah 33-22 to in the final quarter in the eventual 117-103 victory, that game at Utah. Devin Booker, the leading scorer, he had 24. He had 18 of those in the first quarter, however. Kind of slowed down after that. DeAndre Ayton was back after missing four games. He scored 14 points, had eight rebounds in 30 minutes. The Suns were 1-3, by the way, in the four games without Ayton. Meanwhile, that uh, the Ayton's return meant that Bismack Biondo returned to the bench, and that's the role I think he's best suited for his skill set. Biombo last night, 11 points and five rebounds in 17 minutes off the bench. Up next, the Suns host the Wolves on Wednesday. That's expected to be Kevin Durant's return. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be his uh, home debut, part two. In case you forgot, the Suns uh, were 0-3 and three with Durant before he was injured during the pregame warm-up. And uh, that was uh, prior to his originally scheduled home debut on March the 8th. 
So tomorrow will actually be uh, three weeks to the day where you know round one failed and he wasn't able to go. The Suns are four and six since the Durant injury. They were fourth in the West when Durant went down, and they are still fourth in the West. Speaking of the Western Conference, um, some Western Conference, quote, playoff contenders in action last night. The Clippers win again, 124 to 112 over the Bulls. Nicholas Batum had uh, you know, all of his season high points. He had 24 points season high. They were all on three-pointers, so if I do my math right, I think that's eight three-pointers. And also Eric Gordon, who I'm still – a little forlorn that the forlorn the Suns didn't get him at the trade deadline, and the Clippers did 22 points. The Clippers, uh, yeah, comfortably defeated the Bulls last night, as I mentioned, by 12, 124 to 112. Kawhi Leonard had uh, 22 points in this game, and they uh came back at they had an embarrassing loss against New Orleans in their previous uh outing, but they had 23 pointers last night, obviously led by Batum's eight three pointers. The Wolves. They won again. They won on uh, Sunday night at Golden State. They won last night at Sacramento. Last night it was Jaden McDaniel scoring 20 points. The Timberwolves, uh, they ruined uh, the Kings' chances to clinch a playoff berth. And uh, they beat the Kings, uh, the Wolves, last night 119 to 115. The Mavericks defeated the Pacers last night. Uh, Luka Doncic, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. He was not supposed to play in this game because of a technical, 16th technical foul, but that technical foul was rescinded by the NBA during the day. The uh, Mavericks went from a one-point, two-point underdog to a five-six-point favorite after the uh, Doncic uh, re, after, after the t- technical foul was rescinded. So he ended up being the not surprisingly the best player on the floor, and uh, they won 126, uh, 127. Excuse me, to 104 against the uh, very shorthanded Indiana Pacers. A lot of teams are shorthanded. That's not going to change. Teams that are out of it, which are a lot of them, uh, they're going to pretty much keep uh, – they're going to be bagging the season. And the Blazers certainly fall into that category. And the Pelicans won last night at Portland, 124-90. to Brandon Ingram, 29 points, as uh, was never really a con- contest here. Five consecutive victories now for the Pelicans. C.J. McCollum – Remember, he played nine years in Portland before he was traded to the Pelicans last year. He had 17 points for New Orleans. Valanchunas had 10 points and 21 rebounds. And New Orleans led this game by as many as 36 points in this contest. There's not really much of a contest last night in Portland. So the Western Conference standings, the Suns sitting with 35 losses. We're going to go loss column. Uh, We've been doing this for a little while. We're going to continue this. For the rest of the regular season as far as the playoff race here uh, so the suns have 35 losses the clippers at 36 37 losses right now timberwolves warriors and also pelicans because as i mentioned uh, they've won five straight and seven out of ten the lakers sitting at 38 losses along with the uh, oklahoma city thunder who have actually won six of their last 10 games the Mavericks now 39 losses, and they are still, even after last night's victory, the Mavericks have lost seven of their last 10. The uh, Utah Jazz sitting at 40 losses after the Suns beat them last night. And then uh, teams 13, 14, and 15, the Blazers, the Spurs, and the and the, uh, and the Rockets, long done. Forget them. Blazers 43 losses, the Spurs at 56, and then the Rockets are now 18 and 
18 and 58 for this season. They've lost six in a row and seven out of 10, and they're eight and 32 on the road. They're horrible. All right, coming up next, we will have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's Sports Zone with the National Roundup. That'll be topped by the latest line. Uh, we'll have the, the uh, Final Four update for this upcoming Saturday. Also, the NIT Championship, uh, the, actually the semifinals are tonight. The uh, winners will meet for the championship, I think, on Thursday. I don't follow the NIT. It's the National Insignificant Tournament. But I was actually, I didn't even know who was playing until this morning when I saw the numbers and so forth. And this is why it's the National Insignificant Tournament. But I'm going to just pass that information along. Time pending, we'll get to some NBA numbers for tonight. And maybe even a little uh, rip from the headlines action in the next segment. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. And it is thank you time. We thank our guest, Singular, today. The American League preview with Ben Clemens of Fangraphs. Check that out if you missed it via podcast. Excellent stuff from Ben. Also, sound of the day courtesy of KBME, WTAM, CBS, ESPN, Valley uh, Sports Arizona, and also Fox. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. All right, on to the latest line we go. And uh, let's start with the uh, updated line for the Final Four on Saturday in Houston. And Florida Atlantic against San Diego State is the first game. Predictably, that is the first game. And San Diego State opened one and a half, now up to a two-point favorite. Total net game opened at 132. And the total net game is now down to 131 and a half. Then the uh, so-called main event, which uh, I think I yesterday mentioned, uh, this is kind of the unofficial championship game in my opinion. Uh, Miami of Florida against Connecticut, and uh, Connecticut opened a five-point favorite, and it's pretty much five and a half everywhere on the planet at this point. Uh, the total in that game opened 148 and a half, now up to 149 and a half. Hard to bet. Or consider betting uh, in a Miami of Florida game under the total because they score and they don't really guard too many people very often. Uh, so we'll see what happens on Saturday night. Tonight in the NBA, uh, some Western Conference uh, contenders, quote unquote. Uh, you know, Charlotte, which is not a Western Conference contender, they're a really bad team in the Eastern Conference and they're shorthanded at Oklahoma City, which has certainly been playing well lately. Oklahoma City, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Charlotte at home tonight. One, 230 is the favorite uh, total in that game. Uh, the uh, Orlando uh, Orlando's at Memphis, and Memphis has played extremely well. They were playing well before John Morant came back. Uh, some action on Orlando, however, in this game. I'm not sure. I uh, didn't have time to look in the, you know, the injury situation here, but Memphis opened eight-and-a-half. They're uh, all the way down to seven in the consensus numbers in Las Vegas. 
in the state of Nevada, total of 231 in that game. And then also tonight, New Orleans, hot of late, as I mentioned in the last segment, against Golden State. Golden State lost its last game at home uh, to Minnesota on Sunday night. Golden State opened nine, down to eight and a half, total 234 and a half, a back-to-back on the road for New Orleans after they had kind of a scrimmage last night at Portland against the Trailblazers. All right, on to some rip from the headlines items. And former Cardinal Calais Campbell, he's certainly making the rounds. Campbell, uh, you know, there was some speculation, I think, from the media that he might retire at the end of last season. Uh, but he clearly wants to come back, and he's you know, not going to be with the Ravens, unfortunately, for him. I think that would have been his preference. But, you know, he's uh, you know, basically making the rounds, as I mentioned. He met last week with the Falcons and the Jags. Jags, of course, one of his former teams. He'll reportedly meet this week with the Jets and the Lions. So, you know, he still was a productive player last year in Baltimore. Meanwhile, the Cowboys have not ruled out bringing back Zeke. Uh, Mike McCarthy told NFL media, I think it was just kind of reported by NFL media, McCarthy, along with all the coaches and general managers at the, uh, you know, the winter meetings here or whatever they're calling these things, in uh, in Phoenix at the Biltmore uh, meeting, uh, they're all re- they're required to meet with the media, and uh, he mentioned yesterday that uh, they have not ruled out a return for Zeke, uh, who is officially a free agent right now. Meanwhile, the Giants have not ruled out a reunion with OBJ. Giants president John Mara said that he's in favor of signing the former uh, Giants uh, wide receiver. Uh, he doesn't have a problem with that. He played five years, of course, and then, uh, you know, last time he played anywhere is he suffered the knee injury during the Super Bowl uh, two Februarys ago now when he was still playing with the Rams. Did not play last season, as it turned out. Uh, you know, Mara at the NFL owners' meetings said that he has not closed the door on re-signing the 30-year-old wide receiver Beckham and would be in favor of reunion if general manager, uh, you know, Joe Shane and uh, head coach Brian Dayball can make it work. All right, on to college basketball. A couple of items from college basketball to pass along here. Texas is keeping Rodney Terry. We got in this a little bit yesterday. I, I thought he's done a really good job this year for Texas during the interim situation. That was a really rough situation that he inherited after Chris Beard was suspended in December. And he was fired a month later uh, after a, a felony domestic violence arrest. Now, that charge was ultimately dropped, by the way. But, uh, yeah, Terry, I think he's done a really good job. I thought he coached a poor game in the second half of their uh, meltdown against Miami over the weekend. But uh, Terry, who turned 55 yesterday, uh, has uh, been informed that he is now officially the head coach at Texas. Reportedly, according to ESPN, he gets a five-year contract from Texas. So he is the Longhorns coach heading forward. Meanwhile... Caleb Love, not surprisingly, is leaving North Carolina. Uh, you know, I, you know, I read a, a, a story that said he was a star guard. Actually, he was a star guard two seasons ago when they went to the Final Four. Last year, not so much a star. He shot a lot. He shot way too much. Uh, you know, they should have Baycott should have gotten the ball more. But anyway, Love is—he's uh, now the biggest name on the transfer portal to date. He did average a team-high 16.7 points last season, but he only shot 37% from the field, and he only had 2.8 assists per game. Back in his you know 
high school days before he went to UNC, uh, his supposed fi- finalist uh, for uh, his college services were North Carolina, obviously, where he went, Missouri, Louisville, Kansas, Indiana, and Arizona. Of course, the Arizona thing, that's when Sean Miller was still the head coach at Arizona, so we'll see what happens with that. In fact, four of those five teams, Missouri, Louisville, Kansas, Indiana, and Arizona, four of those five have a different head coach right now than they had when Kayla Love came out of high school, so I'm not sure if... uh, if going back to the uh, where was he going to go if he didn't go to North Carolina before angle, whether that works anymore. But anyway, so that's where he, uh, those were the schools he considered back in the day. And now he's uh, he's not uh, an NBA prospect at this point. He might have been last year had he come out after North Carolina went to the Final Four. But after his, uh, you know, subpar, I think it's safe to say, I know he got that 16.7 points, but he didn't play nearly as well. And there were some charges of selfish play uh, for several North Carolina players last season, and Love was certainly part of the part of the accusations there as far as uh, playing selfishly. All right, this has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. We'll be back tomorrow from 9 to 10, and the Extra Point will return with Kayla hosting tomorrow from uh, 10 to noon. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Broadcasting.